in hell that I can put myself to root for the Eagles solely on the premise of, well, A, first of all, like, I'm a Giant fan. But a small hey, if Micah Parsons can do it, you can do it. No, but no, no, wait, 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 wait. Hear me out. As a Giants fan, right? I went into this playoff and I said, all right, I want the Bengals to win it all because I think Joe Burrow and Pat Mahomes is the new Peyton versus um, Peyton versus Brady, right? So that off the bat, I was like, this is going to be like the thing. But then I was like, all right, who in the NFC do I want to win? Do I want to see Brock Purdy play well? Yeah. But ever since, like once he tore UCL, I was like, all right, this is done. A small, a small thread of me though, early on was like, I'd, I'd rather, as a Giants fan, watch the Cowboys win than the Eagles because at least the Cowboys had to take out a few really good teams to get there. Hey, the you Eagles guys did took your out job. The lowly Giants after a bye week. Yeah, because you guys did your job and won. And then played fucking Josh Johnson, the world's longest LinkedIn page. One. Shout out to you guys for winning. You beat the biggest fraudulent team of all time. The the negative 10 score differential I, Minnesota Vikings. I literally knew. I could have told you the second that, 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 that the matchup was going to be played. That, that that if you could shut down Justin Jefferson, the game's won. Yeah. That was it. Like I, I, I Dude, I put $30 down on the Giants to win on the money line. And it was the best plus money odds I've ever gotten, I've ever gotten in my life. And then... The 49ers were just a Cinderella waiting to turn back into a pumpkin. I don't think they were as much of a Cinderella as you can say, though, because Brock, Brock Purdy for eight well, weeks, I should say the, he was the guy. The media darling that they were, it's like, oh, they've won 12 straight oh, yeah. games. Look at who they played, though. Like, everyone wants to talk about the Eagles schedule being soft throughout the entire season. Please go back and look, everybody at home, at who the 49ers played this year. Like, of course Brock Purdy beat them. But ho- hold on, hold on. Mr. Irrelevant Rob Purdy, I think that alone goes, all right, no one expected anything out of this guy. Iowa State quarterback, played in, played in the soft half of the Big Ten. Like, not, big tw- not big nothing 12. really. Big 12. Played against Jalen Hurts. Oh, shit, yeah, Big 12, you're right. You're right. Went into a shootout in college with Jalen Hurts. Hurts Even won. then, though, even then, though, the, the Big 12 in his division was soft. But here's here's where the Eagles won. Career. The Eagles won both of their matchups in the trenches, and I that's guess. where the NFL yeah, yeah. is the, won the, right now. Yeah, the running game, like like they had what two hundred two hundred plus yards between all three running backs. We had one hundred and forty eight, I think, was the final after well, like kneel downs it? and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, okay. but like two hundred and twelve all no no sorry it was two hundred and twelve all purpose yards from their running backs. Mm-hmm. Like incredible game. And Jalen Hurts for, ran. Yeah, and like and not the Eagles' nothing, defensive I, line is. Depth wise and just rotational wise, was easily the best in the entire playoff bracket. Yeah, and and yeah. honestly, and there isn't enough good things that that, that you can honestly say about the O line too. They're filthy. Yeah, they're one of the best to ever play together. Can um can someone explain to me why we we just can't figure out a way to stop the QB sneak on fourth and one? Ninety two percent of the time, it works every it's time. It's literally insane. Like, why don't you just put eleven guys over the tackle and then like I get they can like audible out and run a pitch or whatever but you can you can move with them and make decisions like it's an, it's insane that it's, if it's so fascinating one, it's, it's basically just a first down i don't understand like why how low when they show the replay and show how low the eagles offensive line gets to like dig yeah. block it's so fascinating that those massive mountains of human get that low to the ground yeah, well hey well, they basically well, just they... Like fall 
Well, hold on. Well, well, something very important here, and 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 I'm gonna call out my girlfriend who's in the other room. Babe. Okay. Okay. She doesn't want to answer me. Um, there's some law of science. I want to say it's safe inertia, right? They're fucking 300 pounds, six foot six guys that when they fall to the ground, like gravity's gonna bring them down pretty quick. So no matter what, like they're going down, they're going down hard. Plus, yeah, Jalen so Hurts squats 600 pounds. Yeah, that, that too. <laughs> that helps when your quarterback is it, it, when your quarterback has the uh, the muscle capacity of of the I believe ass of like, a titan. Yeah. Oh, quick, quick, quick! Can we talk about um your tight end? What's his last name? Dallas Godair. How do you say Goddard. it? Goddard. Goddard. Um, when he was when he was dancing at the end of the game, he looked Phenomenal. like the um he looked like that kid from Vine, the crack kid. What does he? What does that crack kid say? Um, like he like it's like we gotta pull up. We gotta we gotta clip it and pull up like just Dallas dancing like his face. Looked like the crack kid grown up. It was insane. That was the yeah. ultimate troll job by the Eagles social team, too, because they posted that video on Twitter and Instagram and said, all caps, Dallas is going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that. Funny. It was so funny. funny. No, I, I have to give a lot of credit to a lot of these uh, social media teams. Who was it yesterday? Um, I think it. It, well, it was the Chiefs, but I forget what exactly it was. Oh no, they clipped the um the part of Travis Kelsey's uh not post game interview because he, he kind of just just like video bomb um Holmes. Yeah, and he goes Burrow head my ass, and then <laughs> then they put that with like with, with, with a giant troll job of the mayor of Cincinnati, <laughs> and I'm like, who? Who's allowing this stuff to go down? It's amazing. And then the other day, um, actually, no, today, I saw a video, uh, no free ads, but like Manscaped saw an ad today about some guy getting a fade by his balls. Yeah, that video is hilarious. I, I'm, who gave clearance for that video to go out? Manscaped, <laughs> like, shout out to them. We've we've done work with Manscaped in the past. Oh my goodness. Um, their social media team is fantastic. Their John Daly commercial is incredible. That is incredible. Their ball deodorant is also like A1. I use that shit every day now. But, yeah. Go birds. Go birds. Oh, my goodness. Well, here we are, folks. Here we are. Get in the Welcome in to the Getting the Whole Podcast. Steve McAvoy, Jake Dippold. We had KB on in the first half to talk a little bit of birds action, but uh, enough of, enough about Philadelphia sports. I want to puke after a, a good day for my, for, for my wallet, but a bad day for uh, for my, my, my man Joe Shiesty, Joe Burrow. No cigars for him. I think it might have been the first time ever I've heard Pat Mahomes like openly like dig somebody. He, he mentioned the, uh, the cigars in the locker room. Seems like a really nice guy, but... First time I've ever heard him like actually like dig into someone. And it's crazy too. It's crazy too because like Burrow really doesn't talk Jack. Like everyone no. else around him is talking and he's taking the brunt of it because they use his name. But like I've never heard Joe Burrow talk negatively about anyone. And like he's kind of getting dragged in the mud because his team is just insane. And, and like not for nothing, like the people can can argue all they want about, about what happened last night. But the idea that the ref screwed them, I wouldn't say that. The offensive line was absolute trash. For about three quarters, Joe Burrow looked lost. 
Like yeah, nothing no was working whatsoever. Although I'm so mad. Placed a three leg parlay. Thankfully, FanDuel, uh, my sportsbook of choice. Uh, no free ads. We'll we'll, we'll bleed that out. No uh, three three leg parlay. Ten dollar insurance. Your bet loses, you get your money back. Three leg parlay on the over. On Kadarius Tony anytime touchdown, and T Higgins first touchdown for the Bengals. Guess which part of that one didn't hit? The over? I can't remember who scored the first touchdown. The Tony touchdown didn't hit because of the freaking re- uh, booth review that called oh, it incomplete. I remember T Higgins that. while I'm taking a shit. I hear I hear in the living room T Higgins touchdown. I go, oh my god, no freaking way! And I'm like, this is gonna happen. And then I'm like, oh wait a minute! Like I, I'm 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 checking Twitter for about three hours, and I'm like, they haven't ruled Tony out until about five minutes left in the fourth quarter. It was like Kadarius Tony downgraded to out. I said, fuck. Yeah. Had I won that, it was ten dollars when like four thirty. Dang, that's wild. That's value. Like, that's value uh, right there. That's, that's huge value. But unfortunately, did not get my uh, my play. All right, a lot of news in the golf world this past week, of course. Max Homa takes home the win at the Farmers Insurance Open, his fourth win in California, which is like nuts when you think about it. West his Coast kid, the West Coast kid. He has six career victories, and four of them come in California. Actually, all six of his career victories on the PGA Tour come in only two states, considering four are in California, two are at the Wells Fargo in North Carolina. So, like at this point, like, and he, I'm pretty sure he's got a summer home in in North Carolina too. So, like, kind of sus here. I don't know. But uh, certainly going to talk a little bit, little more about Max Homa on the other side. Also have a lot more live news. We're going to get right around to that. But first, I want to start the show off. You you sent me a, a TikTok the, the other day. I thought we should kind of dig into this and do this more often on the show. We, in the past, we've had we already had had the fantasy draft. We've had a few other draft um, style things. But I want to get into this. The top five things about golf. Do a little draft style. Um, was thinking about it. Like we need to do more of these. One of my favorite podcasts. Uh, um, K- KB will know it immediately. My, my boy Nick Costos. Uh, they always do like top whatever. I think the other day they did like top Italian foods. Um, and why is Veal Parmesan number one? I don't really know, but it is. Um, but top five things of golf. I, I want to hear. We'll go back and forth. I'll I'll be nice because I'm two and zero in fantasy golf. And I'll give you the first pick here in the non-existent top five things draft. But top five things about golf, what do you got? So my number one thing is is just the absolute best thing in the entire world, Steve. And that is when you hit a drive OB and it bounces off a tree and comes back clean in the fairway. Honestly, the number one thing in the world. Basically story of my life. Um, I mean, really simple, but you see the, you see the uh, TikToks all the time of like, oh, uh, there's one thing guys really want, and it's it's a, a, the uh, the girl walking in like high heels, and you hear the noise, um, but the ball hitting the cup, the yeah. the little rattle is just like something that like you, you can never. I I'm a firm pull the pin guy because if the pin's in, you don't hear it as well. Yeah. Also, the the sound of during COVID hitting your putts, but the ball would hit the flag stick first. I hated that noise. I was like, God damn it. I got to pull a, pull a pen out. So it's that, definitely that noise is, uh, is number one for me. Number two for me, simple one, chipping in. Nothing better than chipping in from the green side. Just the best feeling ever. Don't even got to touch the putter. Chip that thing in. Same noise, same everything. Just the best thing in the world. 
I'm I'm really shitty because I uh, I putt off the fringe. I don't do chips uh, because nine nine times at a time they skull. Um, number two, honestly, a clean bunker shot. Nothing better because I'm so That's bad. Smack. At, I'm, I'm so bad out of the bunker, but like like that like nice just shoot out when you're when you're watching your friend like from on the green and you see just a splash of sand mm. with that white ball floating over. No better feeling. Number three for me, easy one, golf course hot dogs. Just amazing. Best hot dog you can get in the entire world. Not even close. Golf course hot dogs are good. Beth Page Black has the best ones, though. But actually, even better than that, though, hold on, listen to this. The waffles at Beth Page Black. Really? It, on course waffles? Yeah. It isn't um, – well, no. It's at the um, – so, obviously, the, the ninth hole, all the courses converge, like, towards the clubhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's the, the halfway house, quote unquote, like shack on the yellow and blue that I, that I'll always go to and I'll pull up and it isn't like the waffles they make like right there, but it's like, they come in the, these packages. You can get them at the Costco here mm-hmm. there. Um, but they're so freaking good. And then, occa- and then, then occasionally they'll have like a, a bacon, egg and cheese or something that you can get if it's, if it's mm. like early in the morning, just squish them together off oh, the best. Is that your is that your number three? Yeah, my number four is fresh new wedges, best thing ever. Just incredible. Peeling off, seeing those grooves, just taking that off right here, peel it off. It's just a special feeling, Steve. It's a really yeah. special feeling. Number four, I'm sticking. I'm sticking with the food. Um, halfway house transfusions. Mmm. Especially okay. when like when like you can very easily screw those things up when when it's made well, it's made well. And to round us out here, it's an easy one. Been saving it. It's probably not number five, but I was saving it for a little bit. It's a tailwind on a drivable par four. Just incredible. The best oh thing ever. Oh, my God. What, what, a, what a sweet way to cap that one off. Jeez. Just beautiful. Oh, my God. Um, I got to think about, about this one then. Because I'm honestly thinking about it now that that's really up there. Um, all right. You know what? J- j- just going to keep it really simple. Um, a pipe drive. Straight mm. down the middle. You can just kind of watch it go. You kind of big dick it too when you hit oh, yeah. it, and, and like 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 you're holding it. You're like, wow, that thing's so it. nice. The the little club twirl, the like your oh. tiger. Oh my god, no better feeling. Even though it happens like once every like eight rounds for me, but oh my goodness. So there, <laughs> little fun draft draft action to get it rolling. But the lead story this week has to be Rory McIlroy. And not just what Roy McIlroy did in winning the Hero Challenge in Dubai, but it was between Patrick Reed with Sergio Garcia, with every live golfer on the planet chasing his tail, with him winning the freaking event and saying, my game isn't there yet. A ridiculous week from Roy McIlroy. And with that being said, we, we ought to start off a tee gate. I mean, this is like... This is the biggest thing since uh, Tom Brady's uh, deflated balls. Am I wrong? No, I think you're on. I think you're spot on. The way you said deflated balls was a little bit funny to me. I mean, um, I mean, honestly, they, they they could very well be quite deflated after after uh, Giselle left. But yeah, I mean, Tige is just wild, man. Patrick Reed is, I mean, like he's just a piece of work, and that's the most simple way to say it. He, for him to think he can walk into that range and go just say hey to rory after subpoenaing him on christmas eve like he he must be living 
in like an insane asylum world for him to think that's okay. And like, and then for him to like be butthurt that he wouldn't do it. I, I wrote a blog about it and compared it to like a pitcher. Let's say Jacob DeGrom throws in Mike Trout's head four times in a row, finally hits him on the fourth time. And then he goes the next day, shakes his hand and says, Hey man, and just acts like nothing happened. And then Trout doesn't shake his hand and DeGrom goes to the media and cries about it. I think it's the same exact literal thing as throwing at a guy in the head. I think subpoenaing him with his family is probably even worse than doing something within your sport. Oh yeah. But I mean, T gate is just outrageous. And Patrick Reed continues to, continues to surprise me every single day. And I, I'm just looking forward to what happens next. Honestly, it, it's, it's a soap opera. Yeah. I want to, I, I want to re- read the quote here from, uh, from Rory called it a storm in a teacup, which is also the most like British uh, comic oh, yeah. you can make. Um, so, uh, of course, if you, if you didn't watch it at all or, or see, uh, see it unfold, allegedly, um, Patrick Reed said hello to Rory. Rory didn't have, a, have anything of it. Uh, after his rain session, I believe, Reed threw a tee at him, uh, and, and it all blew up. He said, I didn't see it. I was down by my bag, and he comes up to me. I, I was busy working and sort of doing my practice. I didn't feel the need to acknowledge him, so I didn't, and a tee coming in my direction at all, but apparently that's what happened. If if roles were reversed and I'd have thrown the tea at him, I'd be, I'd be expecting a lawsuit. But it's definitely a storm in a teacup. Obviously nothing. I can't believe it's actually turning into, turning into a story. Yeah, it's nothing. Um, why should Rory have to even acknowledge th- this guy? Uh, this absolute PLS. Like it's, it's it's. I think it's funny, and you're right that Patrick Reed goes out of his way to be to try and like be buddy buddy. Meanwhile, you defected from the tour. You're you're the guy who no one likes. Like you're you be. If there's a way to become an even worse enemy than you already were, like I'm trying, I'm, I'm, try, I'm like, are you are you a are you a, a Marvel fan by chance? A little bit. All right, like I'm trying to find like the the Marvel equivalency here of like like if you like Thanos, right? Obviously, huge villain. Mm-hmm. Like, could Thanos have gotten any worse? I don't really know. But, like, like you're already hated by everybody. No one in America likes you. You go to live, and now no, no one in the world likes you because now all of a sudden, like, even the Saudis like, like joke about Patrick Reed. It's hilarious. Yeah. In their press conferences, they're like, yeah, this guy Patrick Reed. Like, it, it, it's a freaking joke. Uh, and then, of course, like, like, like the whole tea thing, whether or not it happened, like, whatever, who cares? Uh, I just appreciate that Rory's being the the bigger person about it. Now, another thing though that that struck me that was really interesting was that during his presser on Tuesday, of course you're in Dubai, so naturally live golf, the Saudis all, all sort of maneuver there and meander um, their way within the tournament. And then also this week at the um, at the Saudi International Tournament, I don't know if Rory's playing this week. He might be uh, since he's already there, but. Uh, reporters were asking him, were asking him all about like live and all those questions. And one of the one thing that came up was Sergio Garcia, and he said that there's no way to fix their relationship. Now, obviously, Rory and Sergio in the past, Ryder Cup teammates, Ryder Cup co-captains, alongside of um, the the overall uh, chair that year. Uh, obviously, two of the most historically great Ryder Cup uh, players ever. I think Sergio ha- has the most. I think the most matches won, like 24 matches won in his career. Uh, and obviously, then defected to live, and is now um, thrown off thrown off the pedestal of of Ryder Cup champion. Um, I find it fascinating that Rory is like, yeah, I'm like, it's one thing to be like, like I, I know that like um, like JT said it right when it came to like the like, like, um, like Dustin Johnson. 
he was like, yeah, just because they went to a different tour, like I'm still going to like, like be friends with them. Like they're still like like my guys. Like Rory McIlroy has kind of been like the one guy to be like, I fucking hate all of you, and I, like I'll show you that, that I hate you. Um, very much like Tiger Woods as to it's, it's like Michael Jordan. Whenever like someone like like talks shit to him, he's like, oh, and and I, I'm I'm gonna take it personally. It's one of those things. Um, but I'm just really shocked that like Rory's really kind of taken up this. Uh, like I'm going to annihilate every single one of you every opportunity I can, including of course Greg Norman, who was not even in his like age range when uh, when Greg was playing. But just fascinating stuff, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, I thought it was a little odd for Rory to say that. Honestly, I, I think he kind of jumped the gun a little bit. There's got to be something that we don't know about that's been happening kind of under the table between them. There has to be some type of thing to where Rory's talked to him and Sergio said something that's really sparked it with Rory. The only other thing I think of is just the difference between Americans and Europeans when it comes to golf. Like I think there's a little bit more of a like a seriousness to the to the European side of things. Like yeah. well, we see it in the um Ryder Cup a lot when it when it's hosted in Europe. Um like it, it's just not the same kind of atmosphere you get with these Americans that are yelling, throwing beer, doing things, all this stuff. It's just a little bit different to where there's almost even a greater respect for the game. And not that the Americans don't do that. But like Rory respects the game so much and respects the tour so much that anyone that gets in the way, he's just really going to have a big problem with. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I think like the, I guess I guess it's because golf was founded in in Europe and in the UK that like it just makes sense that they're more um, gentlemanly about it. I, mm-hmm. I've also said this multiple times, and I'll kind of beat I'll, I'll beat the horse as much as I need to. Ever since COVID, especially like the fandom of golf, especially in America has become much more like our age range. And with mm-hmm. that kind of comes the frat boy attitude. A lot of, oh, yeah. a lot of drunkenness, a lot of rowdiness. It's like, I went to the Belmont stakes last year and um, I, I went to a, an all boys high school, pretty like, uh, like upper class white kid high school. Um, everybody who I knew from high school was there. Everyone was, was, was pissed drunk and in suits. I feel like golf. It's kind of like the, the, the casual man's, like nice evening kind of like mm-hmm. like event where you can get rowdy nowadays and no one's going to really kind of give you anything. Um, just, just cause like, like that, that's the mantra they built in the last four years, the waste management, the, the 16th hole has become like the, the breeding ground for just for, for, for frat parties and drunkenness. Like, and it's fun. Yeah. Like, 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 like this is what golf's becoming. I think um, Joe Rogan on his show the other uh, recently, I saw it in a video they showed him that video of Sam Ryder's hole in one last year, and they were like, "He was like, this is golf, like, like what the hell is this?" And he was like, "Look, like this is what golf should be." And yeah. I'm like, "Yeah, I agree," but like, I, I, I do still think that that, that like that there's a gentlemanly like ness that needs to be there, especially when you're playing it. Um, I could see Rory being this kind of guy. Uh, he definitely is somebody who's like, like you're my friend until you t- until you do me wrong. Mm-hmm. I think for all we know, honestly, I, I could very well see a situation where prior to these guys defecting Rory was like, Hey, like you could, like you should stay on or even yeah. like Tiger, like guys were guys were like, look, like we are trying to build this thing and why defect to this rival club that is like eons away from where we are currently. And you can have so much more success here. And uh, probably something like that probably happened. Uh, if I had to assume, but I could so see Rory being as serious as he is uh, and the second you said, I'm going to go, like, he was like, you're on the shit list, possibly the yeah. uh, death list. Yeah, like, I think the perfect example is, like, Homa. Like, Homa throws back beers all the time. 
on social media, on Twitter, on Instagram. Like, I, I just don't see a world where Rory ever takes a sip of beer while he's playing around a round of golf. Like, he no. just, he's always trying to get better at golf. But I think Homo would get, like, blackface drunk and play around a golf and still shoot sub-70. Like, it's just, it's just a different kind of mindset. And before we move on from Rory and, and the read, I want to talk about um, Homa and Tom Morikawa being early contenders for Tweet of the Year. Max oh, yeah. Homa tweeted, had a nice time on the course today. Five birdies, one bogey, no subpoenas. Very successful start to the week. And then Morikawa responded with, was so close, throwing a tear you, but you're too nice. And I just think that is, I just think that's so funny and even touches more on the American mindset. Like, those guys are just normal guys that are excellent at golf and superb at golf. And it's so, it's so funny to see these guys being so successful and still being so adamant about like being funny on social media. Uh, there was, there was also something else. So, and we'll talk more about Max Homa and his, uh, his victory and, and everything, everything that, that, that went down to Torrey Pines. But um, now he's a new dad. And I was like, the win this past weekend was his first win as a dad. Uh, his tweets ever since having a kid are just hilarious. He's like, the uh he's like being a father is basically just become me having to open things with one hand mm-hmm. or yeah, his or, tweets have been awesome or he tweeted out um oh oh, oh he was oh this was this was at the uh the century or was the amex he goes uh congrats to john rom on winning really excited to finish uh top five this week really good uh my son pooped screamed and cried so uh all things normal here like <laughs> Like just a guy being a dude, also someone who I would have never thought would actually be a father. Like Max yeah. Homa does not scream "daddy" like in any way whatsoever. Between, between him, Joel Damon, and and Harry Higgs, which also, by the way, like they're all friends. Imagine yeah. like Max, like like Max, Max and his wife like go like go out one night and they're like, "Oh hey, like like we need a sitter." Like oh like Uncle Harry's coming over. Like oh my <laughs> god, it's an Uncle Buck. It's like it's That's ridiculous. So funny. That that would be nuts. Final thing before we move on here from uh, from Rory to to kind of just cap off everything that could have went wrong with Patrick Reed. Um, this drop shot controversy. Uh, if you didn't watch it at, at home, we'll, we can hopefully plug the video in on YouTube. But essentially, uh, driver uh, off the tee, uh, ball was swooping right, sliced it, appeared to have gotten dislodged in a palm tree. He was looking at a different palm tree. It got caught in one. They had a zoom in on the tree, and like there's just balls everywhere within this tree. And wound up taking a controversial drop shot, trying to contest that his ball went in a different tree than it actually landed in, one that was further up, but like, I don't know, 10, 15 feet than the other one. Uh, wound up getting a favorable drop. And it was like a very like controversial call. I wanted to get your take here and see like, should, like, it, was it more of a story than it had to really be? Because they were looking at it with like binoculars and trying to find this thing. Like it was a freaking uh, like a rare bird that they were looking for. Yeah, I mean that. I mean it's just wild. Like looking into that tree, there's there's seven, eight, nine balls in there, and and Patrick Reed's excuse was that he marks his ball with a small little arrow, and they showed his ball on the green, and the arrow is like minute, like it's like literally like on the Pro V one line. All he does is mark. The little line. Yeah. So there's absolutely no chance he was seeing that in the tree. And I mean, like, like you you become the center of controversy, like coincidentally, maybe once or twice. But when it's like your 12th time on tour being stuck in controversy, like I'm just not siding with you. I'm sorry. There's just no chance I'm believing you 
that you actually think that. You're just, once again, trying to get a leg up, disrespecting the game. You know what happened. Brandel Shamley posted a video. It wasn't even close to that tree. It wasn't even close. Yeah. And, and he, like, has this way with the rules officials that, like, he's just kind of does what he wants and it's really insane and then his wife tweets about it and the world's back to normal that that shambly video i want to i want to point it out like really did jab at reed too he he was like based on the um the close-up of the tree you can clearly see there's like nine or ten pro v ones in there Mm -hmm. and he's like you're pulling binoculars out to try and look for this little mark and there's like nine of the same ball how the hell are you gonna find it in that little thing, it, I, I thought it was hilarious that finally Brandel Shambly got his opportunity to, to, to just shit on Patrick Reed and get his thing out, all on live TV, might I add. So I thought it was that was absolutely perfect. Final thing here on Rory, uh, like I had mentioned earlier, set after his win, won my three strokes at the Hero Dubai Challenge uh, at the Dubai Desert Classic, said, I still don't quite feel control of my game. Well, Rory, you're the number one player in the world. You just won for another week. And in your last, I believe, nine tournaments, you have three wins. So uh, I would say your game's pretty much there. Uh, what does this mean if his game isn't quite there yet? Uh, when his game is there and we're in the heart of the PGA Tour season, should we expect Rory McIlroy to have another one of those years uh, where he contends not only for a, uh, a FedEx Cup championship, but equally... What a five-win year! Possibly, might possibly make this the year of McIlroy versus Rom, and truly see who's the uh, better player. Yeah, and I think we can't overlook the fact that he had this mental roller coaster and drama outside of the outside of the round. Like he could have let that completely dissipate his round and come out and play horrible, but like it just shows that Rory can play through anything, and nothing's going to affect how he plays other than him and himself and and his caddy. Like there's nothing that's going to take him away from the sport to where he's not going to give us his best every single week. And I saw a stat that Rory hasn't finished outside of the top four in his last seven professional tournaments. That oh is God. absolutely insane. As you said, he won three of those. It's just, it's just crazy that he's that good. And Rom is that good this year. Like I just cannot wait to see Rory and Rom going head to head. It's going to be absolutely insane. Rory McIlroy right now to date, I believe it's, it's between him and Rom are one and two. In almost every strokes gain T to green metric over over their, their last like twenty five, like it's like actually kind of ridiculous. Again, the, he's yeah, it, even less than that considering he's played two events the whole year, and he's won both of them. He won the CJ a few months back, then he won here in Dubai. He won the Tour Championship, obviously finished eighth at the BMW, finished. Third at the third at the open. You're right. Dating all the way back. If you look, if you go back to let's see. Oh my god. Yeah. All right. Let's date all the way back to about the open. All right. So the JP McManus Pro Am finished T6. Went to the open. Finished third. Missed the cut at the FedEx. Finished eighth at the BMW. Won the Tour Championship. Then went back over to Europe. Finished T2, 4th, T4, 4th at the DP World Championship. Then came back and won two straight. Nuts. The guy is absolutely nuts. Question for you, Steve. What? You go, you go. Not not to mention, like you said, he had a mental roller coaster during the round. He had a mental roller coaster for three years. 
Yeah. Like something like ever since he won probably the RBC Canadian Open, I, I would say, or, or possibly even earlier than that, because even prior to the prior to that that event, he had gone second, fifth, eighth, and then T eighteen in a in a in a, a month long span, including um his his backdoor T two at the Masters. He won the CJ the, the year prior. He had no worse finish outside of his two missed cuts than thirty third, which happened at the Players last year. But for three years, we didn't know what was wrong with Rory McIlroy. The the, the the swing was off, and yet he was still finishing consecutively top 20 on average, I would say, roughly. Like, he was still there in the, in the thick of it, which naturally, like, what do you expect? The guy's been amazing since 2005. But, like, was kind of not himself for about three years, going to his 30s, and now all of a sudden he's number one, the number one golfer in the world once again, and he's absolutely filthy. Like, this could go on forever at this point. Yeah, and I mean, Tiger Tiger talks about it a lot, like, God, these guys still have to go through swing changes and make and make changes. And sometimes that takes a whole year or, or multiple years. And I think that's what Rory, that's what happened to Rory. He got stuck in a swing change. I mean, that's what happened to Ricky Fowler. Like he's been stuck in this swing Jordan change. Spieth, for, too. Yeah, Jordan Speeth. Like these guys, I don't really understand why they make these changes when they're on top of the world. Um, I guess you just gotta keep evolving. But yeah, Rory, Rory, we thought he was gonna lose it for a little bit there, and then he just comes back on and and he he's top two easily in the world right now, which, which brings me to the question I was going to ask you in our getting the whole rankings, who are you putting number one right now? John Rahm or Rory McIlroy? It's still Rory. Uh, there's no way you can't put Rory there. I think I made my, I made, I made my list today. Actually, let me pull that up and kind of talk a little, talk a little about that. So yeah, I, I have Rory one and Rom two. I think for, for the sole reason that Rory, of course, one and Rom wind up going over par and Scheffler can't go any higher because they didn't play last week anyways. So there's no reason for, for me to put him there. Uh, in terms of looking at like the overall standings too, like I've got Rory, Rom, Scheffler, Cantley, Shoffley, Finau, Colin Morikawa jumped from like 12th for me to seventh. Um, back to back, incredible weeks for Colin Morikawa. Have to point that out. Uh, Fitzpatrick falls back a little bit. Homa jumps finally into the top ten. Uh, Max Homa, no golfer on the planet over the last 25 months has more wins. Than John Maxwell Homa. Crazy. Love that. Love, love, love that stat from Kyle Porter uh, this past week. But yeah, now R- Rory's still number one. Um, until Rom wins, I think it's going to take possibly a win and like a Rory outside of the top 15 in, in, the, in whatever next term tournament each of them play for me to be like, yeah, Rom's number one again. When do we see him again in the same field? Um, possibly probably the probably the waste management honestly because they're not playing this week. Yeah, because it's an elevated event, right? I think everyone's gone to it. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. That waste management is going to be like must see TV. It's going to be incredible. Honestly, like I was, I was genuinely looking up the flight schedules to go to Phoenix. Think about it. You're going to spend three days in the desert. You're going to go fucking crazy on 16, and then the Super Bowl is on Sunday. Yeah, there are people now. I've I've looked. I've looked in, 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 into this a little bit. People have tickets to the Super Bowl and Sunday at the Waste Management. Kickoff is scheduled for six thirty. Right? You can realistically, because the Waste Management plans on ending around five thirty or, or five o'clock, you could, if you leave immediately after the final putt is hit at five o'clock, five thirty, make it to the Super Bowl in time for kickoff. 
if the highway is only 45 minutes long, it's like a 50 minute drive from Scottsdale to Glendale. It's, I mean, it's just people are going to be absolutely demolished there. It's going to be a scene for sure. Imagine me being pissed drunk sitting at sitting at 16 the entire day and getting an Uber for the Super Super Bowl. First of all, the the the, the surcharge would be out of this freaking world. That would be be like ludicrous, but that would just be amazing, absolutely amazing. We're gonna take a short break here. When we come back, Max Homa wins at the Farmers Insurance Open. We're gonna give you some prop bets, some uh, some fun little betting tips, and of course, we're gonna talk about about, about Pebble Beach and Sam Ryder's joggers. Do we like them? Do we not? We'll figure that, that, that out all right here on the other side of the Get in the Hole podcast. The Get in the Hole podcast is brought to you by our fantastic merch partners, PHI Apparel Company. PHI Apparel Co. provides designs and high-quality clothing for the great fans of the world of golf. With their original designs for all, there's no doubt you'll stand out in the crowd rocking your Get in the Hole podcast official and first edition merch. This is the first time in show history that the Get in the Hole podcast has had merch, so you don't want to miss out. Our listeners can use promo code UNDERGROUND for 10% off any apparel when you shop online at phiapparel.co. That's phiapparel.co, code UNDERGROUND for 10% off any apparel. Rock that Get in the Hole podcast merch out in the wild. Send it to us. Tweet at us at getting the whole pod when you're rocking your merch. Big thank you to PHI Apparel Company for being the best merch on the planet. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Getting the Hole podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Ties Baseball Tees. Ties Baseball Tees is the online t-shirt shop that is all baseball. With over 30 original designs, Ties Baseball Tees is the place for top quality baseball merch for the baseball enthusiast. Get your tees now at tiebaseballtees.com. And get 10% off your purchase with discount code TAYPITCH10. And don't forget to follow them on Instagram at Ties Baseball Teams. This episode is also sponsored by Walk Off Wood Custom Wood Bats. Walk Off Wood is a one stop shop for all your wood bat needs adult, youth, fungos, you name it, and they've got it. Jump online to Wow Bats, that's W O W Bats.com, and start customizing today. And before I move into the show, I want to just flex this hoodie a little bit. Get the whole merch, Supreme Box logo. Get it on. Check it out. Check our Instagram. Check our Twitter. It's linked all there. Steve, let's talk about Pebble Beach. Yeah. Hey, look, look, before we get, jump into that, I want to shout out also our friends over at PHI Apparel Co. for the sick hoodie that Jake's uh, rubbing. Be sure to go online. Use code underground at phiapparel.co to get yourselves a hot little hoodie and eventually uh, that. That mm. thing is hot. Give it time. It'll, mm. it'll be there. All right, folks. So uh, picking back up, Max Homa, of course, takes home the win at the Farmers Insurance Open. I'm trying to figure out the field currently for the Phoenix Open to, to double check that. That uh, that oh, hold on. We just we just got it. We just got it, guys. Roy McIlroy is in the field next week with John Rom. So yeah, so we we are in fact going to see yeah, everyone's both of them. Actually. Sorry, John John Rom is not currently in the field yet. John Rom's not playing. Not yet. They have until Friday to announce it. So we'll see. But as of right now, John Rom will not be in the field. In which case, Rory could just cement his spot even further. So Max Homa takes home the win at, at the Farmers Insurance. His first win as a Papa. Sam Ryder and his joggers. Uh, first of all, ugly color that he wore on Sunday. 
Um, I think they're really cool. We'll talk about, we'll talk about, about those in a minute. He crumbles to the tune of a three over on the final four holes to lose to Homa. And of course, uh, John Rahm wound up going over on bookend days first in the final round to crumble. Uh, I want to give a shout out to John Rahm and also obliterate him for a hot second. Uh, Jason Stobel tweeted it out after after Thursday's round, Wednesday's round, Wednesday's round, said, uh, John Rahm played over par to get you all the better number. You're welcome. I had John Rahm after Wednesday tied for 118th place at plus 2,300. Mm. I said he's going to come back and win this week. Just watch. By the end of Friday, he was T2. And he blew up on the final final day to finish top seven. Could have made really good money, but uh, considering considering the odds going from like plus like seven hundred to plus twenty three hundred, I was like had to had to, to sprinkle in some sort of money um, on this game. But before we get into Mass Homer's win, we got to talk Sam Ryder's uh, joggers. Do we like them? Do we hate them? I I really have no opinion quite yet. But uh, I I mean I think they're they're pretty cool, but they cost a lot of money, so I'm not totally in on buying them quite yet. I have a huge opinion on them. I love them. I think they are absolutely incredible. And I love John Daly, and he tweeted about how stupid they looked. So I'm actually kind of down on John Daly right now. But I did some work um, previously with Primo, um, who makes sick joggers. No free ads anymore because we're not working together anymore. So just going to bleep out who makes those pants. But they are absolutely sick. They are the best material. Like I would call them like the Lululemon pants of golf. Like they are definitely pricey and they're definitely expensive, but you you are not you're not paying for a crappy material or a crappy thing. Like I think those are definitely primo, are they not? Um, they're either primo or they're they're Grayson, which is what uh what's his face? Um Harry Higgs and Justin Thomas wear. Yeah, I think you gotta be like a certain build to wear them. Um, yeah, I I definitely cannot pull these things off whatsoever. Like, I don't think Harry Higgs is the the guy we need in, in joggers. I think Justin Thomas, all 122 pounds of him, is probably looking good in joggers. Yeah, I can't tell if those are primo or not. I think they are. Usually, you can tell by the um, ankle. But yeah, I think um, I think joggers are sick, and I think these guys look really cool. I don't think they look as good with the dress with the dress shoe golf uh, golf yeah, shoes. Like yeah, some like trainers, bro. This shoe. Looks like a tuxedo shoe. Yeah, like JT did it once with some it's like too shiny with some like cool navy and white foot joys. But like, just wear a pair of sneakers. I like get some little turf on the bottom and just wear a pair of sneakers. Like, if you're gonna wear joggers, don't wear the dress shoe golf shoes. It looks horrible. I agree. I like you need. I think the joggers would look sick with like Tony Finau's uh, Nikes that he wears. Yes, those would be fire. Um, actually, want to give a shout out. Um, speaking of footwear, while we're here. Uh, my birthday is next week. Get to share a birthday uh, with the ending of the of the, of the, of the pro am at Pebble. Uh, just picked up a new pair of shoes. No free ads, but the Puma Pro Adapt Alpha Cats. Dang, these things are sexy, and they're getting they have, the whole colors. Yeah, right, bro. The the uh, the light green bottoms actually very much like getting the whole colored, which is actually really dope. Um, specifically got them for that reason. Also, if you look at the design. It like has like a wave design, like green, yeah, right, yeah, right there that you can kind of see. Um, so like not not like a true white, like more like an off white. Absolutely beautiful, beautiful kicks. Where'd also, you get those from? Spikeless. Um, I got them at the PJ Tour Superstore. 
uh, for only $110. They're online for like $180. Found them on clearance for $110. I was like, got to get these. That's hype. Got to go in that. Those those are the shoes you wear the joggers with. Some spikeless, like, trainer-looking shoes, not these dress shoes. While while we're on the topic of topic of gear, right? So so these are spikeless that I got. Do you go spikeless or spiked? Because like I had spikes for a bit, but now I'm starting to think against them. I'm I'm a spikeless guy myself. I think it comes from my baseball background. Like I was so used to wearing turfs when I wasn't playing. Yeah. So like on days you're not active pitching, you just wear turfs. And I would warm up in turfs. I would throw in turfs. Exactly. Yeah. It really doesn't make a huge difference, and it's so much more comfortable on a golf course. And in reality, like unless it's like high grass, you're in the rough, and it's raining, the spikes just do nothing. I'm not going to fall and slip my foot. the the turf The turf spikeless shoes still have enough grip to where it's not really affecting me. But yeah, exactly. so I'm a spikeless guy all day, and I think I look cooler. Yeah, no, I used to wear. Ironically, I used to without me without me actually being a lacrosse athlete. I used to wear um, Nike Air uh, Hurex. Which was like mm. the uh, like the the true like lacrosse shoes, um, but I used to wear those spikeless for for for, for gym class in high school because we used to actually play out on turf, so it made sense um, for, for me to wear those. So, anyways, um, yeah, Max Homa, dude, cannot say any less about the skill set of what I've seen out of Max Homa. Does not win in easy fields. His six career wins have all come in fields where the strength of field is well over 300, well over 400. Mm. He's won twice at the Wells Fargo, won, t- won back-to-back years at the, 40, at the Fortnite Championship, and has now come on and won the Farmers Insurance Open in incredible fashion. I cannot say any less about how good Max Home has been. And like I said, according to Kyle Porter, no man has more wins in the last 25 months than Max. Um just a great win overall. There really isn't much more that I could say. And then the Twitter game just got even better because of it. Yeah, his Twitter game is elite. But I, I read an article, and, and Homa talks about how he he gives all the credit to his newfound success to the sports psychologist yep. he hired. And I think that's a huge move that all these guys are doing. If you look, all the top guys are big, big, big into sports psychologists. And for a guy like Homa to be bought in, I think shows that like everyone should be using them. Like Homa seems like the guy who would be so laid back, like I'm just gonna kind of hit it, go out there, whatever. But for him to be that focused in and, and that locked in and, and that beneficial from a sports psychologist is the reason why he pocketed 1.5 million dollars last week. And Will Zelatoris still doesn't know how to play. Uh, nor can he chip too. No, no. It, it, it's like it, it's amazing because. So back prior to you, uh, we had Ben Piro, who was a, a pro golfer in his own right now. He's trying to um, go up the ranks. And he, to- he talked a lot about early on how he like got ready for golf. And he actually has a, um, a mental coach. Now, look, golf is as much mental as it is physical. Like the, e- even the casual golfer can, can, uh, can acknowledge that one bad shot can ruin your day. But that one par on 18 brings you back. Like that's just how golf is. But but you the real capacity to get better and better and better. And you and I are both mid-teen handicaps to be able to kind of acknowledge this. I'm currently right now figuring out my, how can I get my handicap to single to single digits. And I t- talked to Ben recently, and he was like, honestly, like a half hour before you go play, uh, he 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 sits in the parking lot or after his like or like during his range range session listens to like zen music 
like literally has a curated playlist from this like psychologist, mental coach, who is like, listen to this kind of music, and you're gonna be like totally fine. And like for me, it's like soft John Mayer, but like like for anybody, like it, like it could be anything. Um, but like yeah, he he does it while he's putting, and it gets him like like mentally focused, and he gets ready, and it's just like kind of like what he does. And it's so true though, like the idea to turn the page. We had, we said it a lot in, in high school football, like whenever a bad play happened, uh, Michael Chico, turn the page. It's the next chapter. It's the next drive. Don't worry about it. And once, and once you actually take it to heart and you're like, all right, forget the mistakes that you made. Now you can kind of capitalize on them and you get better and you play better and you do win. So I think like the fact that Max Homa is, is so dialed in now and to be able to kind of understand those things. I think also being a dad brings you some sort of like new like perspective mm-hmm. on life. I feel uh, and it's no longer like, like, yeah, he's still a clown on Twitter and he's still like fun. But at the same time, though, like he has this mindset where he's playing almost for more because mm-hmm. it used to be I'm single and I'm going to go play for money and, and for my living. But now you're supporting a child and you're yeah. supporting a wife and you have a life now. It's like I've got to play for more. And of course, like nothing's guaranteed in golf. A lot, I, I say it every single week to Tony Fino six years to get a win. Yeah. Like, so. As of right now, Mass Homa is just in a dial state, which is why I think he's a, why, which is why I think he's a top ten golfer in the world currently, and I think he'll. Uh, it's it's going to be even better now going throughout the um, this LA this California swing because now you've got the waste management, which is of course it's, it's right right up his alley. He's won already at Riviera, and then not to mention we're going to be in California for the U.S. Open. You might want to tab uh, Max Homa as an early pick right now. At pretty good odds for uh, for the U.S. Open, where might I add the L.A. Country Club when he played at Cal, went to Cal Berkeley, mm-hmm. um, shot at the individual final and still holds the course record at, at LACC with a 61. Crazy. So watch out, guys, because 20-year-old Max Homa played a hell of a lot better than I could bet anybody else will when they go uh, to LACC in June. So and Max, and Max Homa, like you, I just want to touch on the point of you talking about that. He's got a family now, like that makes that sports psychologist that much more important. And and now like when he's hitting these shots, he's hitting these shots for his son, for his wife, for his family. Like imagine the pressure that comes with that. Like his, his family lives on the fact that he has to hit good golf shots. Yeah. And you talked about it. Like you and I are high handicapped guys. The difference between us and him is really just about like not magnifying mistakes. Like guys like us lose shots because we hit one in the woods. And then we, we think we can put it through the little, little hole in the tree instead of just punching out and and taking our medicine and maybe taking par or bogey. And I actually, I just started a little series where I'm trying to cut my handicap in half. I'm trying to go from a 14 to a seven. And I got a coach. His name's Chris Shad. He's a Cobra coaching pro. Um, He's going to be featured a little bit, kind of touching my swing up, picking my swing up. But but he told me from the jump, like, I'm losing so many strokes 25 to 30 feet from the pin. Like, exactly. I, I can hit the ball. And he said, like, I don't even care if you miss one way. If you're missing both ways, it's a problem. But if you hook the ball, like, we can play with that. We can work with that. Um, but, like, you're just losing so much short, and it's because you're trying to be a hero. Like. Yeah. Even on the PGA Tour, like, these guys lose when they try to be heroes. And it's just so cool to see that, like, when we play, it's the same as when, it's the same game they're playing. They're just playing it at an insane level. And, like, two things going going off your point. One, when it comes to Max Homa, right, like, 
I hate it when the PG Tour puts out like, oh, that shot was worth $300,000. I mean, for the player, it makes sense. But like they, they obviously aren't thinking about that in the moment. No. For the most part, they aren't even thinking about, about, about the uh, leaderboard. But like that's that's the first thing I thought of. But yeah, like you, magnifying like the mistakes, right? I went down from I was an 18 handicap as of last year. I'm down to like a 16, 15 right now. Mm. Um, solely because I literally I had a 60 degree wedge in my bag, took it, snapped it in half, threw it out. I actually sold it back to the store. Um, <laughs> and I said, you know what? I'm just gonna putt. Even if even if I'm in the rough, right? Five feet off the green. I'm gonna putt the ball, and it's worked. It's paid incredible dividends because because my feel and my touch around the greens is so good that even if I'm in the rough, I can pace the ball correctly and wind mm-hmm. up for the two putt within five feet, anyways. And for me, for the most part, within four or five feet, I'm almost automatic. So it's like it, it's easy for me to pick up those strokes there. But like I can't chip, and I know I can't chip, yeah. but I can slice my drive, and I can still play well out of the rough. That's totally fine with me but I lose all my strokes from you're right within 50 feet. Cause I simply cannot chip and I skull it. And I go from two feet away from, from the green to 50 feet away. And I've got, I've got, got this monstrous putt where it's like, all right, put the bags in. I'm going to make double here. So yeah, yeah. no, you're absolutely right. Oh, excuse me. So far as insurance open comes to a close, of course, Homa wins John Rom falls, but John Rom, we still love you deep down. We got to talk a little bit about, about Pebble Beach, and it all starts with one of my absolute favorite segments: Who's hot? Who's not? Or in this case, whom's is hot and whom's is not? Going into this week at Pebble Beach, uh, he isn't playing, but I have to acknowledge this one player um, because he's just been absolutely incredible. Um, Keegan Bradley mm. has had a stretch of has had a stretch where this this might be. Outside of, I believe, his one major victory or his one win uh, that he had at the Travelers like years ago, the best stretch of golf he's possibly ever been on. Uh, well, I'm pulling up his his stats right now, but like just absolutely stoic golf over the last month and a half or so. He finished second this week. Didn't do great uh, at the Sony or the Century or or even the CJ for that matter. But prior to that, throughout the fall swing. Had some incredible weeks, some really low scores that I, I have to point out. So let me pull this up here. Finished fifth at the Sanderson Farm. He won the Zozo. 21st at the CJ, 34th at the Century. Missed cut at the Sony and then second here. That's the first time he's had three three top fives over his first seven weeks in three years. So pretty damn pretty damn good golf uh, from Keegan Bradley. But going into this week at, Pe- at Pebble Beach, who's hot, who's not? Guys who have been playing really well going into this week particularly – that you're looking out for? Yeah, so the first guy I'm really looking out for is coming off a T18 last week. I think he was kind of living under the radar for a while. And Justin Rose, he's just, he's just, he was a really big factor in his heyday. I think he's starting to fall off a little bit. He's just getting old. But for him to flex a T18 last week in a strong field like that, I think he's got to be someone you look out for in a field that's, that's pretty, pretty below par. Yeah, like between Justin Rose and this guy who I want to mention now, we talk a lot about, about like horses for courses, uh, and it's it, it's the common thread every single week. The guys are just simply fit the course so well that you're like, why wouldn't I take him? Um, I've picked this guy top 20 each last three years to finish at Pebble Beach, and he's always done it. Uh, Maver- Maverick Neely. 
Not a strong field in Pebble this week, and we'll talk more about the reasonings for that and the whole story about about, about Pebble Beach. But since the um, the opening week of the season, let's just say technically uh, in late September, missed the cut at the Fortnite, but then went T10, 12, 18, 10, 27, 7, and 31. Now, he doesn't always play great in the California swing, always plays really well in Hawaii where, when he does come to town, plays really well in the fall swing. A course that is reliant on accuracy, incredibly small greens, particularly at Spyglass and a, and a pebble, of course, the three-course uh, layout this week on tour, relies incredibly uh, on his ball striking and his accuracy game, which is paramount at these courses. He isn't the greatest putter on the planet, but Matt McNeely, it cannot be said enough in a short field like this, where, where again, the top five players, I believe there's only three guys, there's only five guys in the top 50 or six guys in the top 50. Uh, McNeely's one of them, and he's someone who I think is going to be, be a force this week. Another name that I want to point out, too, has not played in a few weeks, but Shane's power going into this week, I think is going to be an absolute uh, menace. Yeah, um, We've seen stretches for Shane's power where – He's on point and he's playing really, really well. And then he kind of just like dips into oblivion and then always manages to come back uh, over the fall swing. That was really kind of like like his bread and butter. Uh, and, it's, and it's been for years. So he's, he's always played well. But T5 at the RSM, T3 at, at, uh, at Mayakoba. He won the Butterfield uh, in Bermuda. And again, a very weak field. This is another one of those weeks where uh, Bermuda is a lot like Pebble, uh, Oceanside mm-hmm. course. It's going to be kind of like muggy and gross and damp to a degree just because it's it's February in California, February in Bermuda. It's kind of the same kind of weather. Yeah. Um, I think this is going to be, be a week for Shannon's power to really get back uh, and a get-right week for someone who has not played in the last three weeks. Yeah, I think my other guy that, that we got to shout out, Harry Higgs, making the cut last week. He's, he's hot. He's hot just for that reason. Making the cut makes Harry Higgs hot. I think he's the man. We got to get him on the show. He's our guy. And then a guy who's not hot, who isn't playing next week, but just it needs to be talked about. And I talked about it a second ago. But like, can can Will Zell Torres figure out how to make a putting stroke? It's just it's just miserable to watch. Like I love I love Willie Z. I love him. Trust me, I'm a Willie Z stan. But I'm if, not. if he can't if he can't figure out how to take his putter back, like get the guy a perfect practice putting mat. Let him sit there and stroke with their little mirror. Let him stroke back and forth. Like, how, how can you not figure out how to stroke a putt, Will? I don't understand. It's kind of disgusting when you think about it. Like, yeah. it, it, I th- I'm not one to be all in on Will Zalatoris. I never really was. No, and it was all because of the putter. Like, I remember when he played Luke List. I believe it was actually at – was it? No, it wasn't at Pebble. I think it was at the Farmers. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, this past week, last year, where it was like the worst golfers in the world in, in a putt-off. Like, yeah. it was like one thirtieth versus like versus like one twenty fourth, like abysmal uh, golf, and I'm watching it while I'm in Disney uh, with my girlfriend, and I'm like, this is miserable. Yeah, it's bad. watching these two like like the putters like wiggling, but somehow he hits it right. Like, tell me where I'm screwing up, where my stroke is straight, but it somehow starts to like deviate. I don't know what it is. It was outdoors. I'm I'm not all in on him. Um, but somebody who also is just not hot whatsoever, and, and I think really has to show out this week. And surprisingly, like, yeah, he's getting older, uh, and he's 
kind of he isn't in his heyday anymore obviously uh but someone who used to play really well at courses like this that, that like that like this is a get a get good week uh is matt kuchar someone who's played really well in these shorter courses doesn't necessarily hit at a country mile but is very accurate has a really good putter and it's kind of gotten better with age um just hasn't really played very well hasn't finished any any better than than 18th over the last nine months um so i think uh matt kuchar plus 3300 is going to be a a pretty fun one uh, this week, getting into the actual format here at Pebble Beach. Now, three courses we're going to be playing: Spyglass, Pebble, uh, and then a third course, which is kind of blanking to me right now. Um, very short field as of right now. Jordan Spieth, he's always here. He'll be playing with Matt Fitzpatrick, Victor Hovland, Tom Hoagie, Matt Neely, Dustin Rose, Power, Keith Mitchell, and Andrew Putnam round out your top ten on the leaderboard this week in terms of the odds that, that you can get. Joel Damon also in the field. Uh, Denny McCarthy, the putting phenomena, who can't do anything else but putt. They are all in the field as well. Shows you not a very strong field, which is ironic because Pebble Beach, one of the most famous courses of all time, um, just simply is not is not there. Reason being comes down to the pro-am factor. And before we get into the actual discussion on the pro-am, I want to get, get your take here. The ideal foursome, you and three other guys, celebrities or really whoever, that you would want to golf with at Pebble for – a two-day spam, who would it be? Yeah, so I start with, I think he's a guy who is an elite golf mind, but also like would just be vibes. I, I really went with the good vibes thing, and that's Alfonso Rivera. I think he is awesome. <laughs> I think he is a stellar golfer, and I think it'd just be, I think it'd be awesome to golf with him. You want me to go through all of them, or you want to go your first one? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, give me your whole team. Uh, number two is Trent from Foreplay. I think he is just the best vibes, and I won't be the worst golfer in the group. That way, I was kind of trying to make sure I wasn't the bottom end of the totem pole. And then number three is might be a little bit of a surprise, but I think he is just really cool, and and I want to have a really cool group, really good vibes. I think the stories would be great, and that's Matthew McConaughey. Oh, McConaughey is fun. Yeah, and he's just okay. a good-looking guy. we got to bring up. Like bring up the looks with the group who I've picked so far. Now, now you you did definitely have a well, yeah. Now the the handsome factor isn't really there except for except for McConaughey. Yeah. Uh, no offense to you, but um, <laughs> hey, look, hey, we're, we're on a podcast for a reason. We have the uh, quote unquote face the the face for radio, as my exactly. old, uh, my old teachers used to say it. Um, I know that I will not be be good in this golf group. I acknowledge that. I'm totally fine with that. Um, but I'm here again for the vibes. One of my favorite country artists, uh, Jake Owen, who's yeah. a free handicapper, which is like ridiculous. He, he also wears the joggers and he looks freaking great. I also didn't realize he, he's like six foot four. Like he's a really? he's a giant. I didn't realize this. Like he, I think he played with Jordan Speed last year and he like he towered over him. It was like ridiculous. Uh, so Jake Owen, he can provide some some, some fun vibes. Um, definitely the kind of guy to like put the speaker in the golf cart and just like mm-hmm. play his own stuff and like what like pop his own head to like whatever Jake Owens got playing down to the hockey talk going on. Um, so Jake Owens won, would love to tee it up with Tom Holland. Now, I, I have a funny story with mm. funny story with Tom Holland. Friend of mine, uh, actually got invited to the Masters like two years ago, I think it was 2021. Uh, and his his friend's dad is a member. Which like is like ridiculous. Uh, he go he shows up he shows up 
at the course. They're, they're at Breckman's, and uh, the kid turns to um, the son. He goes, hey, our guest is coming. Can you pick him up at the gate? He goes, oh, who's our guest this week? Oh, um, he, he's an actor. He's some British guy. He's like, oh, all right. Wonder who this could be. My friend pulls up to the gate with his friend to go pick up their guy. It's fucking Tom Holland. And my friend, who's a big Marvel fan, goes, you're Tom Holland. He goes, yes. <laughs> Apparently, Tom Holland, drunk, is one of the funnest people on the planet, which I'm not surprised at all. No. Also, a really down-to-earth guy, which makes him one of my favorite uh, Marvel heroes already. On top of the fact that I've watched, that I've, I've been a Spider-Man fan forever. Um, but Tom Holland would be a great guy to have. Definitely would love some transfusions. Um, apparently smoked a lot of cigars uh, while at the Masters, so would enjoy wow. that a lot. Um, McConaughey would be a fun third. Yeah. But I must say, as a, as a sports fan, I want to watch – I want to, like, be in awe of someone play. Um, and it isn't a celebrity by any means, but either John Daly or, like, old Tiger Woods, I would, yeah. would want to – tee it up with for fun assuming that i'm the celebrity here and that, that i get to uh be to be with a, a tour pro it'd be cool cool to, to, to play around with like old john daly and watch him just obliterate diet cokes <laughs> or uh or tiger woods just absolutely be amazing but yeah i had i had homa in my group for a second ooh, that's a good one. just because like i wanted a guy who was gonna hit crazy shots but still be good vibe so i, I definitely get where you're coming from John Daly's hilarious because my uh, so my girlfriend I, I I I'm I'm slowly introducing her to uh to the world of golf and um I was talking about John Daly Jr. because uh, in my other my other gig writing uh, college sports he did a Manscaped ad with with his dad uh, and it was like an NIL deal for him and uh, she was like oh who's that guy and I'm like oh it's John Daly and I'm like, oh, well, funny thing about John Daly is that, 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 that uh, he doesn't drink water and he just obliterates Diet Cokes and smokes <laughs> cigarettes. And so I showed her the interview with Tiger talking about him. Uh, and he was like, yeah, like, like showed up, showed up to the golf course for the PGA Championship. And he, uh, he had three double cheeseburgers from McDonald's, a, a large thing of fries and like, like 12 Diet Cokes. And my girlfriend's like, how did, how did you not die of like heart disease and stuff? And then, then, then it clipped to an interview of him. He's like, yeah, I don't drink water. <laughs> Cigarettes is my diet. I'm like, oh my god, it's wild. I don't know how he's still alive. Apparently, when he was younger, he used to smoke like a pack and a half a day, a pack and a half. Oh my goodness, absolutely nuts. Anyways, so the reason why why the field this week isn't as strong as as, as it has been in years past, when I mean, we did watch guys like Bill Murray and Bob Hope tee it up, is because of the fact that the players are, are stuck playing in these in these celebrity program events for two days. Uh, and the result is like six and a half hour rounds. And if you are stuck as the last group on like a Friday and you're Jordan Spieth and you're out there till eight o'clock at night, golfing with Bill Murray, it's fun to hang out, to hang out, out with Bill Murray doing his dumb antics. But what good is that when you're trying to win a tournament? So with that being said, should Pebble Beach remove the Pro-Am option because of the fact that their field is getting weaker and weaker and weaker by the year, despite the tour's efforts to try and get guys to play it every year. Yeah, I think I think you gotta get rid of it just for that for that reasoning. If guys don't want to play it, then it's obviously overplayed. Um, I mean, I could take it or leave it personally. I think 
it's it's kind of cool to see these celebrities play it, but I can watch them just and play in that normal celebrity golf tournament and, and get yeah. my fix. But I, I understand why they do it for the LPGA. Like it gets eyes on the game. It, it's a, it's obviously underviewed compared to the PGA. So to get celebrities out there playing with these with these women athletes, it makes complete sense. But it just really doesn't make sense to me for the PGA. I don't I don't see the value in it. I don't see what what other value it brings that it that having a great field wouldn't bring it. I think. Without the celebrities, you would get stellar fields because it's Pebble Beach. Like, who wouldn't want to go play at Pebble Beach, you know? So I think that's the only thing holding it back. So, yeah, I could take it or leave it, but I think the PGA has got to dump it. Yeah, I, I think uh, Jason Sowell said it the best in his uh, his, his weekly wind-up when it comes to um, to the to the event this week. He said, as a society – oh, sorry, is it here? Um, here we go. It's difficult to maintain that the AT&T Pebble Pro-Am lost some luster since the old clambake days when the likes of Bing Crosby and Bob Hope would give, give the game a much-needed and much-anticipated celebrity turn as the game's one of the most popular players intermingled with the world's biggest stars at one of the most iconic locations on the entire planet. From then until now, something changed along the way, and we can collectively admit that, this, that, that the something was more us than, than the tournament. As a society, we become more cynical. While watching a celebrity try and hit a six iron was once so rare that we couldn't look away, the prospect of having to want to witness Ray Romano swing on our televisions is enough for most fans to race to the nearest device and thumb out their displeasure. Not that I'm arguing. I do think that the CBS and Golf Channel broadcast have done a much better job in recent years giving the people what they want. You become numb to C-list celebrities missing fairways and making dad jokes. You want to see the actual golfers they've been told and they've mostly responded in kind. Meanwhile, the players themselves have become more, more discerning. There's a lot of tournaments each year. They've got to pick and choose. For as beautiful as Pebble Beach, it's usually chill, chilly, damp, and fraught with six-hour rounds on three different courses. But that also being said, he, he brings up a really interesting point. Now, with the idea of the, of the like elevated events or designated events, like these big-time golfers play 20 events a year. And they can pick it, and, and like for the most part, they're all sort of like picked for them already. Yeah. So why would I go bother to go play Pebble Beach when, especially now, right? I get a week off. You're Rory McIlroy, I say, right? You have, you're in Dubai. You're, you're beating weak fields. You're going to go play the play the Saudi international, right? Then you got to come back and play what honestly is the, the best string of golf events, probably on the PGA tour over the next like month or so, the waste management, you're going to go to Riviera, you're gonna to go to the Florida swing and play some incredibly hard courses like the Honda. Like, like the, the the schedule itself just doesn't really make sense in my eyes to have guys want to play this stuff. You have the you, it, 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 it's the waste management Riviera, the Honda Classic, which again, like the Honda Classic is one of the hardest like events I believe of the year too. Um, which is which is something else like in and of itself. After that, like Bay Hill is coming up, right? You're gonna have uh, as I keep on scrolling through here to try and find more. Honda Classic, Bay Hill, the players. Next thing you know, it's the Valspar. That that then it's the match play. Then it's the Texas Open. Then it's the Masters. And the only real weeks in between that you have that are off weeks is the event in Punta Cana because no one's going to go from Austin to Punta Cana. Prior to Bay Hill is the Puerto Rican Open, which no one really goes to, goes to play anyways. It's more of a a a lower scale event. So why would I go play AT and T when I'm going to play two for three straight weeks? Then go play four straight weeks, then have a week off, then go play back-to-back weeks, the Valero and the Masters. There's no point. And then, and then again, even following that, right? 
the RBC Heritage, the Zurich Classic, the Wells Fargo Championship. We're kind of wedged in between two meh events, the AT&T and the Mexico Open. Then you got then you have, have the PGA. Like the scheduling doesn't necessarily like work for a lot of these guys. And there's only so many off weeks you, you can really get. So this is ultimately what it's become. Even if you get rid of the pro-am like aspect, I still don't think it really does does anything for you. Um, because again, these guys aren't gonna play it anyways, but that's yeah. that's just my take on the matter. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, I I just totally rambled. I apologize if you had any uh any points that could have passed. No, no, you made them all. You made all the good points. And I think that quote about how we, we've seen it, it's just social media and now like if I want to yeah. see a celebrity playing golf, all I gotta do is search on YouTube. I'm sure I could find him swinging. But like back in the day, like the only time you saw this was when they were playing in this tournament. So exactly. it's, it's just a different time. Exactly. So, so if I, if I want to go see Alfonso Ribeiro do the uh, do the Carlton, I could just fucking tweet it out and I exactly immediately. Prop bet time brought to you by our friends over at Pickup. Pickup, play the headlines. Get started on your phone today. I have no prop bets this week. Uh, I am hands offish. Uh, I'm gonna leave everything on the betting table in my actual picks because it's a weak field, so I can get some good money. But I want to see. Do you have any good prop bets this week? I do. I have hole in one. No, this weekend I haven't seen the odds, but like this field, just this field just ain't it. And it's just there's just no chance with these conditions, with these courses. Like it's just it's just not happening this week. I'm sure it's not a great payout or value money, but it's it's just not going to happen this week, guys. Yeah, just not a no place for me in the prop market. Don't think there's anything that's really. Crazy worth it. I'd rather put all the money into make or miss the cut. Uh, if I really want to get get absolutely crazy, let's find some random ass name, Zay Chong Dao to, to to make the cut. I don't know. I I, I don't know what the fuck that is. But we'll. Uh, <laughs> I seriously, I, I have absolutely no idea. I love but that. Being said, context. we're gonna take one more break here and and give me a second to go go Google who Zay Ch- Zay Dao is. All, all I know is, is that, that he has better odds than Chesson Hadley, who I feel so bad for. He's always on the mm. on the back end of the leaderboard every week. Only also, actually, same odds as as, uh, as Andrew Novak. So with that being said, hey, 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 whoa! Give me some time to go look at who these guys are on the back end. Beer money and our wild card picks this week. We're going to lay out who we're taking this week at the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Just a reminder, everybody, the most effective and direct way to support the Get in the Hole podcast and Underground Sports Philadelphia is by getting your merch. That's right. Get your merch. PHI Apparel Company is our official merch provider, and they are providing our listeners with the most unique and unbelievable designs for the great fans of the sport of golf and for our Philadelphia brethren, the great fans of Philly as well. Getting the whole podcast merch is officially on their website, so you can go to the Underground Sports Philadelphia tab where all of our podcast merch is available, and that is the most effective and direct way to support everything we're doing here at Underground Sports Philadelphia and with the Get in the Whole podcast. So go to phiapparel.co, and when you go to check out, use code UNDERGROUND for 10% off. That's how they know we sent you guys there, how they know... You're coming from the Get in the Hole podcast from Underground Sports Philadelphia. And we are back. It is time. Beer money. By, brought to you by our friends over at Kenwood Beer. Guys, the Philadelphia Eagles are on the Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, I mean, look, not playing football to the link, but 
it's the first Super Bowl that Kenwood Beer's been been alive for. So I'll tell you what, if the beer sales are on the roof, man, you're missing out. Go online, KenwoodBeer.com, find the Kenny Tracker, find some beer, get ready to, to sit back on the couch and watch the Philadelphia Eagles lose by 90 to Pat, to Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs. We, we have KB in the production suite in the background. Like, give me the uh, thumbs down. We need some, some fucking animal over here. Meanwhile, Isaiah Pacheco has got, got, got the uh, key to the city of Vineland. I don't know why he why he isn't rooting for, rooting for him this week. But beer money time, top 20 pick in the worst field ever. Uh, just found out that, that Zaytron Dao is also uh, – he's one of the best amateur Chinese players out there. So uh, if you're interested wow. in knowing knowing who he is, um, he's from the Henan province. Uh, he's a, he's only a year older than I am. Uh, and in terms of career wins, I actually don't even know if he has any, but uh, we'll say Actually, he has four amateur wins. Wow. I'm and he has letting him play. And he has three Corn Ferry Tour victories. He has four wins on the Chinese tour. Fascinating though, is that he's 26, so he's only a year older than he's only a year, year older than myself. And yet hasn't won an event outside of the Corn Ferry Tour, of course. He won all four of his Chinese wins in 2016. Won in wow. 2017, 19, and 22. So he he's won an event when he was like 16. That's wild. That's actually crazy. Nuts, right? Well, there you go. Take a take take Zay Chang Dow this week. <laughs> top, tw- top 20. Jake, what you got? Uh, my top 20 is actually, I only have the top 30 odds. He's plus 500, top 30. But he's been looking incredibly impressive. I think it might be recency bias a little bit for me, but that's Brett Grant, top 20. And he got plus 500 odds at top 30. That's got to be super value at top 20. I guarantee you, you're looking at the same uh, same article I am. You probably you jackass. Uh, <laughs> top twenty, someone who's been playing really well in the uh, the Hawaii and LA swing, and I expect this to continue. Andrew Putnam for a top twenty is about plus one twenty five, I believe, for a top twenty. That this field is so so bad that trying to find value in guys here is going to be like. Like trying to literally find like like hay in the needle stack. Yeah. And yes, I'm totally aware that I just completely reversed the uh, the 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 saying. But like again, finding hay in the hay in the needle stack. There's nothing Horrible. good here to work with. Top twenty. Sorry, top top ten. Uh, oh I I messed you up. I think I I I'm in a wow. top thirty pick on you. So I probably yeah, right. I probably threw you off. Bastard. Um, my top 10 is, you talked about him. He's just a great golfer. He's been playing great. Um, three top five results in his last seven starts, and that's Seamus Power. Top I'll, 10. I like Power a lot. Have him, drafted him for for, for, for weeks like this. Drafted this that is the man. week. This is the week. This is the week. Uh, top 10, I love this guy because of his visor. He also hits 80,000 feet. Keith Mitchell for a top 10. Uh, he's plus 750 for a top five. I, I'm going to get him at even better, at not even better numbers, uh, but pretty solid number, plus 500 for a top 10 this week. Damn. Top five, who are you picking? My top five was a winner here before. I, I think he's got, you got to say he's in the best form of anyone in the field because he's just played the most golf out of everyone in the field, and that's Jordan Speed, top five. Uh, I'm sticking it with, with the good numbies. Uh, Justin Rose, top five. All right. Again, look, short field experience matters. Approach game is the key. I really, I really like Jr. Here, 
gimme pick of the week. Who's the safety net? My gimme money pick of the week is actually still great value odds at at plus 275 for top 10. He was the 54-hole co-leader last year before falling into sixth place. place, And that's Andrew Putnam. I have a lot. I think he's a lock. I think he's a lock top 10 on this field. Uh, I have two guys for top 20 that I think are a lock. I'm going to take take the last year's runner-up. Or actually, no, sorry, last year's winner. And I'm going to take Matt McNeely. I'm going to take Tom Hoagie and Matt McNeely, who are both listed at plus 175 for a top 20. Parlay it. Parlay it. I'm not going to, but if you want to, the odds jump to like plus 500, and it's a pretty uh, pretty, pretty good payday. Again, Tom Hoagie took took Jordan Spieth the, uh, the distance, which no one really saw the saw coming either. Uh, prior to that event, everyone was like, who's this guy named after a sandwich? Uh, and managed to play great. Again, Mappy Neely is like a top 20 machine when it comes to these like mid-distance courses, especially when he plays on Spyglass. He's going to play really well. Um, so the approach game is going to be paramount there. So I like both of them as my gimme layup plays. Who's winning this week in this field? Uh, I think this guy is just always contending, and he's just always in the mix. But for some reason, I just I just don't see him winning as often as he should be. But I think this is the week. I think he comes out and makes a statement, and that's Victor Hovland. That's my winner. Yeah, Victor Hovland's wins this year. Well, first of all, I've noticed they only really come on course on on events whose trophies are animals. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think Pebble Beach applies in this regard. Um, that's funny. It doesn't. So I'm not I'm not gonna take Hovlin. Um there are two guys who I really like, one of whom is on my fantasy team. Um but for the absolute just like sake of argument that I'm just not gonna take him, and I might I might, might be risking it because like this is really like the event that like fits his game perfect. Uh I'm implying I am inclined to take power here. Oh. Wow. No, fuck it. I'm doing it. She like power, power is going to win this week. Uh, he held the 36-hole lead last year by five strokes. Just absolutely gave it up and sucked the final two days. Um, I want to take Matt Fitzpatrick just because the field's so bad, and he's played really well in Europe. Um, but this yeah. is this is his first week back in the States. I don't really know it yet. Um, top 10 player in the world for me, but Shane's power, uh, plus 2,500. Uh, plus j- j- just way better odds than the plus nine that I can get on, on Fitzpatrick. So that's a, uh, it's an easy pick for me. I also think with this field and this course and, and these conditions, like we saw it last week, you, you are just never settled in as yeah. a leader. Like you can fall apart. If, you're, if you don't have your A game, you're going to fall apart. We saw it with Rom. Like he, he was money that one day, but for him to lose it on Saturday and how money he was on Friday, but to lose it on Saturday, like it's just you're, you're never settled in on these courses when the conditions are like this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Final thing before we go here, uh, really short week, like we said, rough field. You and I only have three guys in the starting lineup, <laughs> which means that we, we not just get one wild card pick, but we get two. Yes. Um, Nobody who we've taken already is going to be in the field this week, so field's wide open. Uh, <laughs> let's go you first, and I'll be nice, and then we'll go me. Should we go me back to back? Like yeah, you gotta style? snake it. You gotta snake it. All right, sure. all right. So I'll snake it. So, so you'll lead us off your wild card picks in fantasy. Big Steve, Team Mac, we're gonna go three and zero on the early year. It's been absolutely miserable for Team Dip. So hopefully we get 
Hopefully this field helps us out a little bit. We get something crazy. I got Joel Damon, Kevin Kisler, and Andrew Novak are my three starters <laughs> before the wild cards this week. I, I think got, Kiz, Kiz might come out hot. I, I have power, which is nice, which is big. Yeah. Trey Molinax and Thomas Dietrich has been on fire the two weeks that he's actually played in the States. So feeling good. Like I should. Yeah, my first pick is a no-brainer. I was hammering him all the time in those beer monies, hammering all the time in the picks. It's Andrew Putnam. Thank God for taking Andrew Putnam. I'm taking Justin Rose. Uh, that's that's the easiest pick of the week for me because if I have him finishing so high, I want it. I don't know if I want to take Maverick McNeely here because I know that I can use him late in the season, but I'm already up. Th- I'm already up two weeks to none, so I'm gonna dig a little bit. I'm gonna dig for a name. Please do. Oh man. How, how did he play last last week? This is this will be a determinant a determinant for me. Um, he was high up on the leaderboard, right? I'm pretty sure he was. Yeah, he finished T six. Oh man. All right. Mm-hmm. He finished T six at the American Express. And then finish. Wait, oh, hold on, hold on. He didn't play. He didn't play, play last week. All right. Oh, right, you know what? Here we go. I'm gonna I'm gonna dig deep on this one. Give me Callum Taron, the Britishman. Wow, Callum Taron from like way out of left field. Um, That's crazy. That is that only, is low low. And the only reason I'm gonna take him uh, is because. Uh, Jason Sobel put him in his uh, long odd outright winner in his uh, in his post on the Action Network. Wow. Um, yeah, hasn't figured out West Coast golf, but his impressive wedge play from 100 to 125, a range often the play this week, is too much of a strength to overlook, especially at these odds. He's plus 13,000 to win this week, by the way. Jeez. So, yeah, that's a, that's a, a Jesus Christmas number. Final pick, though. Yeah, so I'm I'm between a couple of guys. I'm looking at Webb Simpson. I'm looking at um, looking at Ryan Mavs. Moore. I'm looking at Ryan Moore. Like I'm pretty down the list, and I think I gotta go higher. And I don't want to, but I just need a win. I need I need to win this week, so I need a guy that's gonna be contending. Like, like don't I'm take fits. I'm going Matt's Patrick. Fuck! I am. I gotta do it. I you always it. you always pick the good players. Well, I mean, I'm going to be fucked at the end of the year, though, Steve. Oh That's the problem. But I need a win. I need a win. Man takes Zalatoris three weeks ago. Takes Fowler last week. So we go Matt Fitzpatrick. I need oh, a win. My God. I need a win. Bad. I had Max Homer last week, and I still got hammered. Yeah. Like, no. That, that. All right. You know what? That was also j- j- just simply unlucky. Also, I think I took Zalatoris last week in my wild card, and he didn't make the cut. Yeah, I might just be like the bad luck. I'm literally just bad luck to the BJ so, Tour. So, so last week, so you had JT, Spawn, Homa, Cam Davis, and your wild card was Fowler. Three Homa had eight, Homa had 18 because of his score with the win. JT gave you one point, finishing yeah, at one under. Fowler finished uh, with six points and a top 20. That's our guy, Rick. And then, but then Spawn and Davis both both missed the cut. Montgomery, uh, Taylor Montgomery and and my wild card Hayden Buckley both missed the cut, but I had Rom t- I had Rom T seven so he had eleven. Yeah. Colin finished T three with thirteen, and Finau was top seven too. He had ten. So like, 
just unlucky stuff. Yeah, it's been unlucky. I mean, my wild card not making the cut as a tier one guy is absolutely outrageous. Yeah, no, just not, not the vibe. But those are the picks. Any final thoughts before we get going? Long, 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 long episode this week. Yeah, I'm just I'm excited to see these celebrities tee it up because I've never seen it before on YouTube. So let's just go out and watch it, you know? Uh, I want to see Bill Murray make another uh, behind-the-back-through-the-legs putt um, because that's kind of like his thing. Also, uh, his clothing brand is like actually like really soft stuff. They, have, they just bought out a bunch at the uh, PGA store. So check out William Murray. They're uh, an interesting golf brand. No from, free ads. Uh, no free ads. Yeah, no, no free ads. No, none of those. Had a lot of no free ads. Yeah, we did. We had a lot of drop names today. Yeah, shit. We had to, uh, we'll clean it up. As Tony Reale says, or actually as Tony Kornheiser says, at the end of every episode of PTI, thank you for joining us, boys and girls. We'll try and do better next time. With that being said, Jake Dippel, Steve McAvoy, we'll see you next week. On the other side, the Waste Management Phoenix Open, an incredible week in Scottsdale coming up next week. God almighty, the drunkenness at 16 in the Super Bowl. Woo! Thanks for listening to Get in the Hole, the official golf podcast of Underground Sports Philadelphia. Catch us every week wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and be sure to like and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Get in the Hole Pod, and follow Underground Sports Philadelphia at Underground PHI. We'll see you next time, and remember, Get in the Hole!